This is the Horse Radio Network. I'm Stacy Westfall, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, the Western Dressage episode. Coming up on today's show, I talk with Thalia Blight about entering an online team competition for Western Dressage. In the judge's view, I interview Ida Norris, and she gives some tips about entering and recording your online videos. And then in the trainer's tips segment, I give three reasons why I'm having my clients sign up for the international online Western Dressage show. Joining me for this opening segment is Thalia Blight, who has been involved in Western Dressage since it started in Ohio in 2012. She's also currently the WDAA secretary and is a member of the board of directors. She also created the Western Dressage team competition that's going to be going on during this Western Dressage online international challenge. And that's what I'm really interested in learning more about. So first, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Stacey. It's great to be here. I love your podcast. So I'm very happy to, to participate. It's exciting. So can you tell me more? Because I jumped on because I was getting ready to do this podcast. And I'm like, wait, what is this team competition? And so I'm going to get it right straight from the inventor. What is it? Can okay. you tell me more? Well, I, I'm i going to say that I've been inspired by a number of other organizations that have done team competitions in one way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the competitions that I've been involved in in the past is actually here in Ohio. And for two years straight, the equine science programs from different colleges here in Ohio would get together in an invitational and have a team competition just for Western dressage. And I had the pleasure of being the scribe for that for two years. And in talking to my friend and coach Leah, we're like, wouldn't this be great if we could do this more? Um, as you know, last year we had to do the pandemic pivot and um, we went to an online world show and it was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And when we started talking about, as the board started talking about things this year, I got to thinking, you know, maybe this is the time to do this because people are really keen on the online international challenge. They have friends that they're, you know, friends that are in the same barn who are also going to compete. They have friends throughout the United States that are going to compete. Why not let everybody get together and add a little bit more fun to the equation? So this is our first time trying it out. We've tried to make it really fairly simple mm-hmm. and not too complicated. So everybody can come in and get our feet wet and Myself as WDAA secretary and the organizer of this can get my feet wet too. As uh, you recall, last year we had over 2,000 rides Mm -hmm. in the online world show. And I don't know if I could handle, um, (laughs) you know, more than 50 teams. So we're starting (laughs) slow um, and we're going from there. Okay. So I have not been involved. I don't think I've been involved in anything like this. It doesn't ring a bell yet. So I would love you to pretend I wanted to have a team. Walk me through what I would do. Like I'm sitting here and I'm like, team sounds fun. What, what is this? Okay. Well, the good news is not everybody has to be, you know, in your locale. 
You could communicate with friends either at home or around the state, around the country, or even around the world. We had participants last year from Sweden and Australia in the online world show. Chat amongst yourselves. Come up with a team name. Mm. Um, There are three to four members on a team. Okay. And each team member rides a different test that they have to declare. Now, team members can ride all in the same level. So if you wanted to have like three friends and you're all going to ride level one, that's fine. But you can't all ride the same test. Mm -hmm. Someone asked me, why was I having people specify their tests and doing it this way? And it's like, the great thing about teams is teams are about working together and also about strategy Hmm. and looking at who does what best. So, you know, the person who has the horse that does the great turn on the forehand would probably do uh, level one test three. And then someone who maybe had a horse that goes from a lope to a walk really, really well does level one test four. Um, What we have people do is go ahead and enter the online international challenge, pay their entry fees, register for their classes, and upload their videos. Once they've uploaded their videos, they can designate a team captain who will turn in the entry form and the entry fee, which is only $30, and then we get started. All the judging takes place, and at the end of the judging, I will work with our fabulous show secretary, Susan Peacock, to get the results. And then I will go to work matching up those specified tests for each team and averaging all the scores for each team and coming up with the team score. There are four sections. Chosen, we chose not to call them divisions because that gets really confusing because, you know, you have the amateur division, open division, and except for riding division. So we decided to call them sections. It's not a pretty word, but it's, <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a useful word. Mm-hmm. The four sections are junior riders of any age. That's section A. Section B is for adult amateurs. Section C is for open adults. Those can be professionals or they can be amateurs. And then section D is a blended team that could be junior riders and adult riders, whether they're adult amateurs or open adult. Okay. So the nice thing about it is you can, it's easy to gather a team of people together. You know, maybe you have one really great kid and a couple of adults. It's, there's room for everybody to find their place. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just to be clear, did you? So, do we all have to ride the same level, or no, no, no. It can mix just and match. cannot ride the same test. Just not the same test. So, right. and now, how's the strategy come into this? Like, like, so, say I'm riding in level three, and I've got a friend riding in basic, and I've got another friend riding in intro. There's three of us. How many tests? Because you said it can be a three or four person team. Mm-hmm. Do we all have we? How does that work? Do Does one of us have to ride two so we get up to the number of four tests? How does that no, work? No, it's averaged by the number of participants. So if there's three people on a team, then we take those, take those three scores and divide them by three. Okay. Or if there's only, if there's four, then it's those four scores divided by four. So averaged by the number of riders and we can be across levels. Mm-hmm. Sure can. And so then is it 
highest score average then? Well, it would be the score for the particular test that the each rider specified. Mm-hmm. So maybe rider A is a junior and she shows in basic level two and she gets a 72. And then there are two adults and they in their tests, they get a 68 and a 65. And then maybe there's an open rider who also gets a 68. That's four scores. We'd add the, all those up in average. And the average is the team score. Okay. Okay. It involves me doing some math, but I'm, I'm actually pretty good at math. So, <laughs> And then if you would, um, let me reiterate, but we want people not to enter the team challenge or team competition until after they've already submitted their video entries for the online challenge. Mm-hmm. And that way, if there's any problems and maybe somebody's video is rejected, they have time to go back and rewrite that test and resubmit mm-hmm. that video. And that way, when the entry form comes in for the team competition, we know that all those videos are good to go. Very good. Okay. I think I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page now. I think I'm understanding this. And so a team challenge, uh, different teams, you can mix, you've got the different divisions. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can develop a team either in my barn, outside of my barn, around the world, mm-hmm. and we can ride different levels. And then we're just going to average that average that out. So yeah, that'll be interesting because it was fun watching the scores for the online world show last year mm-hmm. to realize, you know, that I think sometimes it's, you know, it's like, okay, an open rider might be riding a high level test, but they're, they're doing so many more movements that the junior rider riding, like it, the scores don't necessarily go as, as you, you can have a junior rider or a, like a, an adult amateur that outscores an open rider for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so the, mm-hmm. it, it, it was fun to watch sometimes the, the high scores in different things because it's not as direct as you would sometimes you think, Oh, well, the pros are going to be the ones that get that. Right. But so I can see where that could be part of the strategy here. Very interesting concept. Yeah. It would be really interesting for us to have, and this is an open invitation to any WDAA members who are either alumni or current students of equine science programs um, or university equestrian terms. I think it'd be awesome if they got all their friends together or, you know, fellow alumni and, and created their teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see. I've, I've already got a few members that I know that I'm thinking, oh, I, I think I even know what their team names are going to be because they, <laughs> you can see their little nicknames for their, their groups of friends uh-huh. you know, when they're posting things online. And I'm like, exactly. I think I know if people who are going to do this. So, well, that is going to be really fun to watch how that it plays out. And I'm going to study be. those rules and, and figure out figure out if this is something that I'm going to jump into now that I understand a little bit more. So thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. me. Thank you so much for um, giving me the opportunity to tell people about it. Uh, like I said, the um, entries for the team competition need to be postmarked by June 20th. The entry fee is $30, and that can be paid um, with a check or money order 
uh, made payable to the WDAA and it's sent to my address, which is on the entry form. And if people have any questions at all, they're welcome to reach out through me through the WDAA social corral um, or look at the um, flyer online that is on the website underneath the online international challenge. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I found that really easily. So, yep. If they go to that website and find the international challenge, the team things right there, which is what brought it to my attention. So very good. Thank you again. Thank you and so much. I'll be very interested to see how this plays out. It's going to be great. Each week you carefully plan out your horse's training schedule. You work with your trainer to fine tune his flat work. You school through grids to perfect his jump and set up multiple courses to educate your eye. You enjoy long hacks to keep his mind fresh and body strong. Show day arrives. You take a deep breath as you enter the ring. We've got this, you whisper so only he can hear you. You move as one, sailing over each element in perfect harmony. The feeling you get when it all clicks. It's why we do what we do. This feeling is brought to you by Joint Armor. Joint Armor's complete formula provides your horse with the nutrients necessary to support healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Joint Armor maintains fluid motion and flexibility in hardworking joints. It supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Joint Armor provides high levels of both glucosamine and chondroitin, plus 100 milligrams of hyaluronic acid. Best of all, Joint Armor is affordable. One small jar lasts up to 75 days. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. For today's trainer tip, I have decided to interview myself. Not quite as awkward as it sounds because on my own podcast, Train Your Own Horse with Stacey Westfall, I primarily am a solo podcaster, which is just a fancy way of saying that I've got over 130 episodes and more than 100 of them have been me talking and answering people's questions, just talking like this. So when I sat down to record, I was thinking I have recently talked to of my customers, people that I know, into entering the Western Dressage Online International Challenge. And I thought, well, I think I'll make the same pitch to you the listener of the Western Dressage podcast. So I've come up with three reasons to enter the online international challenge, which is taking entries right now if you're listening to this podcast in real time. If not, this also applies to any online dressage show. Number one reason is that it's a very smart goal, which basically means it's specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. I'm going to break that one down for you in a minute. Number two, there is no conflict with other shows. For me, for the one customer that I recommended it to, I know that she's actually going to a lot of live reigning shows, so her schedule is pretty full. But I was able to talk her into signing up for this online show because there's no conflict. She can enter, she can record when it's convenient for her, she can upload. And then that leads me to reason number three to enter a, the an online challenge like this, this online international challenge show is. And number three would be 
the feedback is very valuable. No matter where you place, the feedback that you will get from entering an online dressage show, that could be traditional, that could be Western. I'm specifically referring to the online international challenge going on right now. The feedback that you receive when entering dressage shows is so valuable. I did not understand that until I started entering dressage shows. I have grown up showing in all kinds of different events, and I've never seen anything that gives you as much feedback as dressage. I was in the closest thing that I can find in the Western world, which is raining, where we do get maneuver scores, which they actually do in some of the other events now, like ranch riding. But here's my one pitch why Western dressage is even more interesting for you to enter than, say, something like ranch riding or raining. I have been explaining to multiple customers that the dressage theories of the way that you can walk your way up through the tests or that you can back down through the tests as you move through the tests, they are very well designed for flow while you're training the horses. That is not to say that a raining pattern doesn't flow, but here's what I will say for raining and ranch riding. And it is this, it is that the raining and the ranch riding are designed to test your communication. They are designed to have very challenging transitions right off the bat. So even when I send somebody in to show in a raining class for the very first time, they immediately have to do some pretty challenging transitions. They have to do, they have to go from the halt to the canter. They are allowed a couple of walk steps, but it's pretty much, it's a pretty intense, you know, transition there. They're going to go large, fast to small, slow in their circles. They're going to do either a flying lead change or a simple lead change. That's the only option there is. There is no reigning class that doesn't have a lead change. At this point, the majority of ranch riding classes, it's the same. You might be doing a simple lead change or a flying lead change, but you're doing some version of a lead change. The beauty of taking these horses into the Western dressage arena is that it's a great way to test the training that you've been doing at home in a way where you can look for the small wobbles before you go to the arenas where the reining or the ranch riding is going to test you in ways where you're going to feel big wobbles if you didn't already detect any of the small wobbles. So if you're entering a test, if you go and you enter a Western dressage test that allows you more room for your transitions but at the same time is very specific on what they want to see in your body and the horse's body, you will get very valuable feedback that will actually help increase your scores in your, let's say, ranch riding. I just personally took my horses that I've been showing in both classical traditional dressage and in Western dressage and just took them in the last few weeks and showed them in ranch riding. And my scores have gone up dramatically because of the dressage work that I'm doing. You can see the dressage work showing up when they ask for a lengthened jog in the ranch riding or extend the trot, whichever way they decide to phrase it, depending on what, what rules you're running by. It's really cool to watch my horses and how they move because of the dressage work. And the best part is the judges value it too. And so... The feedback and 
the the value of what the Western dressage has to offer is so big for these Western horses, even if you continue to show them. I'm going to show in the Western dressage and the reigning and the ranch, and then I'm going to wrap up my year by going back into the traditional again. So let's circle back to the number one reason, which was it's a very smart goal. And I want to talk a little bit more about why that matters so much. Because when I was talking these women into entering the online international challenge, I liked it because for them, it made some of the non-specific goals that a lot of riders have into suddenly very specific goals. For example, a non-specific goal that I get all the time is I want to improve my riding or I want to build a solid relationship with my horse or I want to get my communication where it needs to be or I want to work on my confidence. Those are all pieces of a goal. To me, I actually view them as side effects or bonus goals. I sometimes call them accidental goals if I'm being really playful, because if you want to improve your riding and improve your communication or work on your confidence or build your relationship, enter a Western dressage class, because suddenly your goals will be specific, measurable. I love it that there are so many different levels. You can enter a class that is walk trot only because you're doing it at home. You can now do walk trot at home, which makes it even more attainable. It's very relevant to what you're doing. If you want to build that solid relationship, because you can begin to see where your communication might be lacking because maybe your aids aren't as clear when you ask for that transition in that specific spot. So suddenly having a time bound show that you have entered with a very specific and measurable outcome is so good for helping you reach those non-specific goals. This is how I sold this idea to the two customers that I was talking to. I'm telling you, it is setting yourself up for success. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have a big goal, Maybe it's a three-year goal, or maybe it's your big goal for this year, for the end of the year. What is that big goal and what smart goals could you structure between now and then that would most likely help you get there? Because for me, as I'm working on taking my horses and showing them in all these different disciplines... I am enjoying mostly the work that I do at home and investigating and learning and listening to my horse, asking questions like, are we doing the one where you neck rein and you say, whoa, and I'm supposed to slide? Or are you doing the one where I'm supposed to do that extended trot thing? When I stop right here, am I supposed to stop balanced and even, or am I supposed to drop my butt into the ground and let it slide while I trot in the front end? And so believe me, These are very specific questions that your horses will ask you when you start riding in a very specific way. And the most motivating way I have found is to sign up for something like an online class where you have a deadline and you have an exact thing for a goal. Like I'm going to ride intro level test. I'm going to ride intro test one 
and this is going to be my goal and I know exactly when it's due, there is still time to enter right now. Put it out there, take the leap, help build that relationship, improve your communication. And I love the feedback that you will get. I love it for me. That's why I'm entering. I'm telling you, it's very valuable. So that's my pitch to you. Sign up for a very specific goal. Stretch yourself by making it specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. You can do all of that just by entering an online show. And then look for and enjoy those accidental things that you're going to reach along the way, like improving your writing and your communication and your confidence. Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit to this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. Joining me for the judge's view is Ida Norris. Ida judges both Western and traditional dressage. She's a USEFS judge for traditional dressage and a USEF small r Western dressage judge. And Ida, I understand you're on three WDAA committees also. You sound really busy. I am, but I'm so honored to be asked. It's really exciting, and I just love, love being on these committees. Lots of work, lots of fun, great people. Well, thanks for taking time out of your very busy schedule to join me today. And I also know that you do a lot of online judging and you happen to be a judge for the, I was going to say upcoming, but I guess it's now officially open, the international challenge that the Western Dressage Association is putting on. I would love to get some tips from you on showing an online show since you sit behind the judge's chair. We still call it that, right? And you judge right. a lot. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, well, I had in mind today if it was okay to talk to the people about, um, you know, getting their entries submitted and about their videos because uh, it's really a problem. What we can't see, we just can't reward. Mm. So there are a few things uh, right off the bat that, you know, become real important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To, be to begin with, things, simple things, like if you're taking your video and this is for most platforms, and it includes the International Challenge, but almost all the platforms online, whether you're classical, traditional dressage, or Western dressage, if the horse leaves the frame of the camera at any time during the video, you're eliminated. Mm. <laughs> and if they don't do that to you, where, like, for example, I was trying to judge someone the other day, and they couldn't see the corner of the ring. The horse disappeared because the camera didn't follow them. They did the canter depart while the camera wasn't showing them. 
Mm. And I called the organizer and said, do you want to eliminate this person? She said, well, no, it's a first-time person. Uh, but, you know, you have to give a zero because they, mm. you didn't see it. It wasn't there. So yeah. the, the WDAA people at the International Challenge, your uh, tape will not be accepted. They just won't accept it. You'll have to retape it. So we're trying to tell everybody right up. That's one of the big clues. Amazingly enough, people also forget, because we're using our cameras a lot, we forget to clean the lenses. And we take, it's in the car, and it's in the barn, and it's, <laughs> our fingers are all over it, and the horse nuzzles it. It's a mess. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, good so point. Then you got cookie smear all over it, and it's uh, blurry. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, things that do happen are, there are lots of... Um, software out there like movie pro is a real i mean i'm not really a technophobe and i got movie pro and it's either very inexpensive like eight or ten dollars or it's free depending on which version you have or install but a video can be uploaded to youtube and then you run this through your back through your computer um and it will take out um bouncing you know like you had shaky hands and mm-hmm. you can uh, lighten it, things mm-hmm. like that, which people aren't really looking at their videos before they do that. And sometimes their cameras are so expert now. I mean, people have really fancy cameras and they have really fancy phones that they can actually lighten their video. So you want to look at your video before you send it. You can't cut it. You're not allowed to cut anything out of it. Mm-hmm. But you can lighten it. And you can make contrast so they can see it. And you can put it through the anti-shake program if Grammy's hands were trembling while she was taping you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are things people are allowed to do to improve what we can see. Yeah. Now, I know one issue that I ran into last time was... um, the zooming question and how much zooming was allowed, but this was also back at the beginning really of the whole launch of online showing. So I think there was kind of a, um, a getting started kind of like, I don't know how much is allowed because clearly as the judge, you want to see where I am in the arena. My issue was that I got, I was like teeny, teeny, tiny little dot far away at times. It felt like when I was rewatching my video. And so What are the current ideas on Zooming? Zooming is allowed. So it is not forbidden. um, But the problem can be with Zooming is that if you get up too close. So what we're saying is is that Zooming is allowed. And here's some directives. Um, These are, I don't purport to extend these from WDAA, just so there's that disclaimer out there, but these um, directives that I'm going to discuss with you right now are um, have been adopted by several of the online platforms that are um, the professional platforms out there that are taking monthly shows, and these have been very successful. And when WDAA looked at these, they said, "Well, yeah, this is this is quite workable." So, you know, when you turn the phone sideways, then you're in landscape. You know, the horse is rectangular, and we need that rectangular frame, not the upright frame. So your video won't be accepted if you're holding your phone up and down. Mm. So landscape is the sideways view, and it's also the same thing, you know, when we're uh, typing on a piece of paper and, you know, the 
word as to do you want your document in landscape? That's the same view to get people used to this idea. Mm-hmm. Then the camera needs to be directly, and I mean directly, behind C. Because otherwise, if it's off at all, it looks like the rider isn't on the center line and you have difficulty with the view. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. Next, the camera should be a few feet behind C um, so that there's some reference um, from C, from C to A. And the zooming, of course, you want to zoom slowly and steadily and hopefully only once in on a movement and once out. But the easy way to figure this out is when you turn your horse in landscape and divide the view screen into three pieces, the horse should be not smaller, but not bigger than one third of the screen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. you don't want the horse totally filling the screen because that would then mean you would have a hard time referencing where they were in the arena. Exactly. So also, because we have to see the letters coming ahead of them, when you turn the horse, when you turn your camera sideways, now it's in landscape, and the horse, you're zooming up only as far as that the horse is only taking up one-third of the screen, you also want to, in the last one-third of the viewfinder, you want two, you want the scenery of two blanks in front of him. And what that means is, is I have depth perception to be able to see how he travels forward and I can see the letters that he's arriving to I can see the letters in front of him so you kind of have the camera a little bit ahead of the horse and the horse is always in the last of the viewfinder Mm -hmm. this means that we can really see him and we have depth perception we can see where he's going so that makes it really easy you know some people are using like iPhones and in these 200-foot rings, the standard rings just short of 200 feet, uh, when the horse is at the far end, most of the people are on the zoom is 0 to 10, and they're on 4.5 zoom mm-hmm. up there. No, they're not way up at the top on zoom. Okay. And as the horse comes to the bottom of the ring, they're down to none, you know, when the horse passes by you. But it's really a common sense thing when you look at your video. The judge needs to see some detail, but they clearly have to see where you're going. Mm-hmm. So playing with your Zoom and looking at your uh, videos before you send them out in and, you know, asking someone, hey, can you can you come and practice a little bit and actually um, look at the videos and talk with them about what you need is very important mm-hmm. and you can't mustn't leave the video, you know, the horse mustn't leave the video or your video won't be accepted. And if it's so shaky or the zoom is so fast that we can't really focus our eyes and we can't see it, we're not able to reward those performances. Like you said, I mean, you ride well. I'm sure you had a lovely ride, Stacey, but when you looked at your own video and you were like this tiny little dot at the end, you're thinking... Oh, no, I don't know how much of this they can see, really see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a concern. And like I said early on, I think the idea was if you're going to err on one side or the other, they'd rather see more of the arena so they could tell where you're going. But 
there's been a lot of learning curve on everybody's part up till now. So I really like your tip on, I like your tip on keeping the horse about a third and keeping the, the area ahead of the horse kind of, of free. It reminds me when I go to the quarter horse Congress and the video person is doing reining, they try to keep the reining horse centered in the center, but they actually have tape on the viewfinder of the person running the camera. And it says on the tape, horse fills this section. (laughs) And so it's like, it's like, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, am I that dedicated that I want to put tape all over my iPhone? And then how would that work anyway? Because in dressage, you know, you're going to the left and the right side, but they were very specifically like, they want whoever's running that camera to fill this spot with the horse. And so I think your idea of the the two thirds kind of coming ahead and the the one third that's full of the horse, I think I can easily explain that to my videographer. Very good. What else that's do we need to know? For. Yes, we know that it's moms and pops and your friend and you know the trainer and we know that it's all of our friends who are helping us tape. They're not necessarily videographers, but um, they can um, look at these directives. In fact, uh, one of the things I could do is send you these directives. If you wanted, they could be posted on your site. That's an idea that people could get this written out if you want. We could do that. Yeah, we Um, could put those in the show notes. Yep. Sure, absolutely. Let's do that because then people can have it in writing and they can print it out and hand it to their videographer and practice with this, Mm -hmm. which is great. One of the yeah. other things to think about, too, is I don't know how other people's rings are, but like for me, um, I have a big, tall board fence that I'm riding around my riding ring, and and that means that I have flat letters screwed on to the wall of the fence. I don't have a regular little short dressage arena with three-dimensional letters. Mm-hmm. What that means for the judge when I'm taping a tape for online showing is that those letters don't show up to the judge. Mm-hmm. So... And I have a board fence, which is, you know, four foot tall. So what I did was I gathered up all of my bright orange buckets that my supplements came in that were five gallon pails, Mm -hmm. all matching. And under the letters, I put the yellow five gallon pails. Mm. Those are obviously the letter markers. And I'm working on getting some letters attached to them, you know, that are vinyl stick on. But in the meantime, when we were taping, the judge can clearly see, oh, that's the letter. That's a letter marker. Mm-hmm. And you need a letter marker. And cheap things are things like, and bright colored and matching is always great. But, you know, I had yellow buckets. You could have white buckets. You can go to the dollar store and buy those little um, road cones mm-hmm. at the dollar store that are little orange cones. Mm-hmm. The yep. last one to remember is the people forget to have one for A, and I need that behind them to reference if they truly are coming at me, you know, on the center line, that they don't just arbitrarily turn a line towards the camera, mm-hmm. but there has to be a marker behind them. Okay. Okay. So and then... Does that anything fancy? just what you have on the farm that's relatively, you know, I mean, you're hoping it's relatively attractive, but I don't care if it's not even matching, but you know, some of we're like, but something that you have that we can clearly see and that's matching enough so that I understand here's your letter markers. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of the other things that might get uh, somebody's 
video rejected, like the signs they have to hold up or the tack or the equipment? What are some of the other things that they should pay attention to? Yes, this is very important. Um, And speaking of that, for the international challenge, on the very first page of WDAA's website, you know, which is WDAA.com, right on the first page, you scroll down and there's a big button that says WDAA West Intercise Online International Challenge. And then there's this brown button, learn more. And under that, you know, when you push on that learn more button, there are two videos. The first one talks to you about how to get your entries in and to get your entries online. It's a great video. And then there's another video even below that that has tips and suggestions on, um, you know, how to be sure that you can see everything in your video and what they suggest. And so those videos are very helpful, and those are right on WDAA website on the main page under International Challenge. So things that can go wrong with your video are that after you make your entry to the International Challenge, they will send you a pre-filled video sign that you print out on your computer. It's a piece of paper. And it has your horse's number, name, class, so that they can identify you. And you need to hold that up or put it on a clipboard or something on the very front of your video. So you, you know, put that in front of your camera as your horse is going around prior to beginning. And you need to leave that long enough, I would say four or five seconds minimum, because they need to be able to read it. And you have to be sure when you look at your tape or the person holding the camera that they can actually read this sign. Because I had somebody put one of those signs in front of the camera, but it was so far away I couldn't read it. So therefore, mm-hmm. um, that can be rejected if they can't read it. So it's got to be four to six to seven seconds minimum. They got to be able to read it. It's got to be close enough. And then you can see the horse in the background. So that uh, they're clear that this is the horse that's going to ride and this is the pre-filled form that's mm-hmm. going to go with them. Mm-hmm. That's important. Then the next part is at the end of your ride, you have the tack check. You've probably done those before. Mm-hmm. Yep. That happens because we want to look at your tack and be sure that everything looks right. So the camera, again, the horse must not leave the view of the of the camera. So the horse can walk up to the camera person, turn around in front of the camera person, or the camera person can walk up to the horse and go around the horse. And this tack check is very important. We need the tack check to go very slowly around the horse. And we need to see the reins and we need to see the girth and your boots. And if you have on um, spurs, and if those spurs roll, if they have rowels, each rowel has to be flipped or flicked to see that it rolls easily. So that's one of the things that's required. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to see the horse's feet for and legs to be sure that if there are some polo wraps there that they're correct or that he's barefoot or whatever is on his legs all around the tack. And then the rider needs to dismount, and you cannot drop your bridle mounted. That's illegal. 
Mm-hmm. So okay. the rider has to sit down and drop the bridle. So when you drop the bridle, it's very important to get a super good close-up of the bit or any any of your tack that we can see there and hold it, hold the camera steady. We don't care how long the tack check is if we can see it really thoroughly. We love it. So we want you to hold the bit really steady in front of the camera for several seconds so we can easily identify it. Should you have a cabison on, and some bridles have a cabison and some don't, it's very important that you show us how the cabison buckles. If it has a buckle, we need to see the buckles. We also need your, to slide your hand up inside of the cabison to show if it's tight. Mm-hmm. We had one lady that was wearing, uh, the horse had a, uh, shouldn't say the lady was wearing it, the horse was wearing an ear bonnet, you know, because she was <laughs> riding outside, very buggy area. She needed to take her ear bonnet off and turn it inside out and point the camera at her horse's ears to show that there was nothing illegal inside of the bonnet. Mm. So all of these things have to be done. And we don't mind, we're very patient at looking at these if you're thorough for us. And okay. we need you to be very thorough. Good deal. Yeah. I'm, I, I knew that when I was doing my tax checks, I, I could always tell if I thought I had a good ride because I would ride down, halt, and then I would be staring intently at the video person. And I think even on a couple of the ones I submitted, I was like, don't shut the video off. Because <laughs> the last yeah. thing you want after a really good ride is your camera person to excitedly shut it off before doing the tax check. Cause then you have to do it all again because you can't splice anything together. So yeah. there were, there were at least a couple where I was like, don't shut the camera off. Oh, well, that's going to be interesting when they listen to it, but I'd rather have the judge listen to me say that than take the chance that they forget and shut the camera off before they do the walk around. So yeah. absolutely. And if, if somebody, you know, that's one of the few parts where if there's some assistance to the rider, that's not unauthorized assistance because, mm-hmm. um, you know, gosh, you know, if the person holding the camera says, oh, don't forget to roll your spurs or whatever, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're so happy that someone's uh, thinking of all these things. Um, I don't ride with a, a bonnet, and I never thought about the fact that, you know, we need to take that off and show mm-hmm. that there's nothing in there. So that kind of thing is very important. And, uh, um you know, even checking, you know, putting your hand up inside of your bosal if you have one to show that it's not tight, um, getting a good look at the reins, all that kind of thing, is we want to see all that. So take your time and, yes, tell your camera person, please don't turn it off. That's <laughs> awesome. Awesome. There are, um, as we said, at a, num- a number of these online um, platforms that people are sending show entries too for online competitions have really good suggestions for people too and lots of links to help them out to get started. But the simple things we have um, covered here uh, today, you know, having your pre-filled signs organized and even the international requires this pre-filled sign, but almost all online organizers now are asking for a pre-filled sign or that if you um, you know, most of us are using YouTube or that your video says who you are and what test you're doing and for what show, because just having a link and then it can be anyone 
can be quite confusing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure that it, uh, competitors don't realize, but we do have big classes. And, you know, we can have 50 to 100 rides at a whack to judge. So um, we want to be sure we got it all organized. Make it easy for us. Yeah. We appreciate it. Th- those are those are all amazing tips, and I'm going to be very curious to see how many entries the WDAA ends up having in this upcoming, well, I, again, it's open now, the online international challenge. And if you have wanted to get started in Western Dressage, I personally think this would be a great show to jump in and participate in because they have so many really amazing awards that they're offering. And I'm excited that you are one of the judges and, and I'm, I'm, I'm gathering myself together to make those final selections and get started on my videos. So I will be using your suggestions, especially on the zooming. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I want everybody to know that you've been making some really cool videos, very helpful videos. Can you tell us where we can find those? Um, yes, on my uh, website, there's several of those links, and I know that you probably have those links too, but um, how to make an elegant salute and how to improve your center line on idanorisdressage.com. And uh, we'll look forward to, you know, I hope people will view them because my thing is have a great salute and have a great center line. I just love that for people. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you for talking with me today, and we're pretty excited about this online showing and about the WDAA International Challenge. I appreciate you talking about uh, this today for everybody. Thank you for sharing all of your tips. I will be talking to you, I guess, after this show. Thanks again to Thalia Blight and Ida Norris for joining me on today's show. If you're interested in hearing more from me, I have a podcast called Train Your Own Horse with Stacey Westfall. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Dressage Radio Show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Uh, 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 uh,